Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. to a new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. Got a lot of news to be breaking down today. We're going to be talking Andy Dalton a little bit again. Got some more free agent signings. The Sox and the Cubs did play against each other today in Arizona in spring training. The White Sox did win, but we're going to break down the game a little bit further. Hawks drop another one against Tampa. We're going to get into that, see... See what's happening. Uh, Pat's shaking his head, so I can't wait to hear what he has to say. And the Bulls' uh, trade deadline is in a couple of days. A lot of rumors. Uh, definitely playing well still. A little bit of worry that we will be talking about. Uh, and then lastly, March Madness. I mean, it's absolutely been crazy. Illinois was unfortunately knocked out, uh, so we will be talking about that eventually. But right now we're going to get into the Bears, so PT, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so I think now that the dust is kind of settled, um, if you guys were listening to our last episode, shit went down. Uh, it was crazy. Everything was kind of being released, um, all these different kind of things. So it, it was crazy. Our last episode was definitely kind of um, a whirlwind. And I think now that kind of the dust has settled, we've been able to um, look into things, kind of understand why moves happened, um, and kind of, kind of get a little bit of a direction. I still really don't think that I have a clear direction over this team or what the front office is wanting to do. Um, but let's jump right into it. Uh, people get over it. We're not getting Russell Wilson. Andy Dalton, unfortunately, is going to be our starting quarterback. Um, it's just reality we're going to have to settle with. Um, and uh, you guys need to get in that mindset now, unfortunately. I hate to say it, um, but we got to prepare ourselves for a losing season. And, and that's just in my mind. Um like I said, I don't understand um, what we're trying to do here. I don't know if we're trying to rebuild. I, I have no clue. Um, and kind of going off of that, A-Rob did sign his franchise tag, which was a big kind of a big deal because I was up in the air if he was going to do that. He shows up. So I think it's a positive step in that direction if he signs it. And then we'll see where it kind of goes from there um, with summer camp and all the different stuff, what he kind of happens with all of that. And then it was also released while we were recording our last podcast that sh- or, uh, that Akeem Hicks was giving the opportunity to seek a trade. Um, and we were like, what the fuck is going on? This is our staple defensive guy. He's, he's our man. Um, and it was released that he plans on staying a Chicago Bear. So that way, I think that takes a lot of weight off my chest. I know you guys feel a lot better about that, too, because we love Hicks. I I personally think he's our best player in our defense, and our defense will not be as good uh, without him. Also, news came out that Eddie Goldman is confirmed playing this season, so that is good as well. Um, You love to see that because our defensive line, we haven't lost anybody. Um, And we'll go into some of our free agent signings as well. Um, 
We signed Andal, and you guys know that. We've talked about it. Um, we signed Jeremy. Uh, Jeremiah, I don't know, Adichu, Adichu, I don't know how to say his last name. He's an outside linebacker, came from Denver. Um, just add some depth uh, for Mac. Uh, you, you love to see that because you never can have enough depth, especially with our defensive line because they get banged up pretty easily. Um, Desmond Trufant, cornerback, uh, he's going to add some depth to our cornerbacks that are desperately needed, especially after losing uh, or slash releasing Kyle Fuller. Um, Angela Blackson, another D-lineman. Uh, kind of like an interior D lineman guy that will be a good backup for Akeem and for Eddie Goldman. You love to see that. Um, we also gave Mario Edwards a, uh, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a multi-year deal if I'm, if I'm correct. For some reason, three years is what's sticking on my head, I but I'm that's not in too my sure. Head as well. Yeah. And I, and he, that's huge because he played his dick off last year um, when Hicks went down and. We didn't have Eddie Goldman. He was in there to kind of step up, and he played really, really well. So I love to see that. Um, Elijah Walker, offensive line from Denver as well. So we need offensive linemen. Um, and Christian Jones, former Bear, coming back, linebacker. So more depth is being added all over the charts. Um, this is what we're going to see kind of what our draft is going to, too. Uh, these, these, are, these are positions where we have holes in offensive line, um, linebacker, cornerback. So – uh, you know, we, we think our defense is good, but our depth is, is, is kind of weak. So we definitely need to look in there. Um, and, and, and don't worry, guys. We uh, re-signed Pat Donald, Pat Scales, and Santos. So our, our special teams will be locked up and secure. And I think that, especially with Santos, how well he kicked last year, it, it feels good to have um, security uh, within that special, uh, special teams aspect. Uh, how are you guys feeling about our free agency so far? Man, you know what? Remember the days when our only worry was the special teams? And now it's everything. Just everything is going wrong. But going to the Russell Wilson stuff, I am so sick and tired of seeing people be like, oh, we still got a shot. We still got a chance. We might get him. There is 0% chance we're getting Russell Wilson. It's not happening. It won't happen. Uh, But A-Rob signing, we broke that during the podcast last time. Uh, really good reactions. Awesome to see that. Uh, the Hicks news was very unsettling, but we'll see uh, like what happens in the future with him. Uh, if we lose him, that's going to be a huge piece of our defense gone. And if we lose Hicks, I'm going to be really worried for next season. Uh, it would 100% be a losing season. Uh, then the other guys, I don't really know too much about, so I'm not really going to touch much on them. But, yeah, I mean, I'm happy with the offseason so far besides the Andy Dalton shit because it's not not good. Not good. PT, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you are where I don't really know how to feel about anything at the moment because you said it best. You have no idea where the direction this team is going. And, frankly, I don't think Pace or Nagy or Ted Phillips or McCaskey know either. That being said... You know, yeah, kind of had to look like I'm kind of comparing it from last year. I mean, we had we had Mitch Trubisky, we now have Andy Dalton, we had Kyle Four, we now have Desmond Trufant, uh, Jeremiah, the guy from the uh, the outside linebacker from Denver. I mean, who is he looking to replace? Is what we had Danny, unless he's like going to be a third down type guy where he's going to be more of a coverage back, where it's not going to be Danny and Roquan in because our two we want a three four, so our two outside backers are technically 
Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. So where he's going to come into play there, I'm not sure if he's going to be listed as an edge rusher or what that is. Yeah, I think he's going to be kind of filling the void for Roy Robertson Harris, who was kind of a big part of our defense too. Um, so just kind of look for him to kind of be that next Roy Robertson Harris, I think, on our defense. Kind of come in, like you said, third down, get some pressure on the quarterback. I think he, he, he's got some speed, so um, you'd love to see that as well. So that could help in coverage as well. Yeah, so like I said, we made a, we've made it quite the splash um, in minor regards, I'd say. We're not obviously grabbing anybody that uh, name-worthy other than Andy Dalton. And I'd say Desmond Trufant's fairly name-worthy, too. But, like I said, I, I feel kind of good. I kind of don't. Like I said, I, honestly, I really have no idea how to feel because I don't know where this team's going, and I don't think the front office does either. Yeah, so, you know, when I said I don't know how to feel about this team – um, I left the podcast last week uh, sick to my stomach. Uh, I never thought that the Bears would get to this point of kind of disparity um, and confusion. And uh, I said I kind of need to let the dust settle. I need to kind of look into stuff, um, kind of need to listen, just listen and kind of understand what's going on. And, yeah, we haven't really got a clear um, cut direction of where the front office and the team's going. I do feel a little bit better um, you know, the Kyle Floor situation is sucks. He was a great player, played really well. Um, but it, it, it was kind of needed. There was going to be a veteran player um, cut because we needed to make cap space. So it, it was going to happen somewhere, somehow. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it just had to happen to Kyle. He uh, signed a one-year deal with the Denver Broncos with Vic Fangio. Um, so we wish him all the luck, and we, we, we thank him for all the kind of the hard work and effort he's put in because I know that he was really well liked throughout the organization. And you just say, hate to see a player like that um, kind of go away. Uh, but that's kind of going to wrap it up for the Bears stuff. We're going to hop into one more thing, uh, some big news around, around the NFL. We'll kind of get our takes on this. Deshaun Watson is under allegations for sexual misconduct. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, there was some issues to a Clemson. Um, I believe he had the senior year. I don't know the complete information, but I remember that he did have some issues. Um, but now there are 14 individual people. Um, all massage therapists have come out and um, uh, they've either uh, submitted cases or claims or whatever, whatever you, what kind of law talk you want to get into. Um, but it, it doesn't look good. Um, I've heard many ramblings, different stories uh, going around the NFL. Um, and the most predominant one is just the timing of this, especially um, with the interest he has that he was requesting a trade. Is this the Texans kind of kind of raising hell to kind of um, make Deshaun Watson bad and kind of deferring teams away from kind of asking the trade for him as well? Um, but I don't know. I, I hate to think that way that um, people are going out there and cl- making false claims, especially to ruin someone's career, especially like Deshaun Watson, who um, uh, is so successful and has such a bright future. Um, but you also cannot um, take away, I don't know the correct wording for this too, but you you never want to dismiss these as well. So it's serious. Um, I think it's definitely going to hurt his draft, uh, his, his trading stock for sure. Um, and I don't know if this is a, a strategy by the Texans. I have no clue. I'm not going to bite into each side, whether, whether it is, whether it's not. I don't know. Get your guys' opinion, dive into it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I remember seeing it pop up on my phone a couple days ago when, like, the first couple started coming in. And it feels like every single time I check my phone, there's a new allegation uh, with what's going on. And now it's up to 14 people 
Uh, that's crazy. Uh, I hope they get it all figured out, get everything settled away. Because, uh, I mean, it's a terrible thing. If it is true, it's a terrible thing. But we'll see. Uh, Pat, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely disgusting to even hear the stuff coming out. And obviously, the whole point of this is you have to give it due process. You have to let everything play out and see where everything goes. You don't want to jump into any uh, assumptions or anything like that. You have, what you, there's the only thing you can do is let the cards play out and see what happens in the court of law. But, uh, yeah, it's horrible timing, you know, because obviously he doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. So we'll have to see how that kind of impacts that idea. But, um yeah, it's just I, I honestly I'm not too sure about anything that happened that back at Clemson. Um, but with this stuff coming with this stuff coming out now, it's gonna be interesting to see how the cards play out. Yeah, so I mean I guess we're gonna have to keep a close eye on what kind of unfolds from this whole story. Um, let's 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 do a little scenario here. Um, let's say that the Bears or the Texans call the Bears and they want a first round pick and one second round pick for Deshaun. Um, you guys taking that? That's that. That's a tough question. I'm glad I'm not make, calling the shots because I think I would take this deal. Uh, I mean, shit, for a team that has never had a franchise quarterback to finally get one, and I mean, of course, there's a risk, but Deshaun Watson is a high reward. So I'm staying as far away as possible as I can from this trade. I. I don't think I can make any moves on Sean Watson until everything that's kind of plays out in the court of law. Just because, yeah, Randy, you're right. If, if it's a it's a risk that can come with a large reward, but if we were to trade a first round pick and then you know he is guilty of this stuff and he never plays a game for a couple more years, that is true. Right, the city, the city's going to freak out even more. Um, <clears throat> I think it's the best way to going about this is just staying as far away as possible, let everything play out and see what happens, but. This is a question I heard on uh, uh, Cap and J Hood this morning on ESPN 1000. So what what did they have to say? Uh, I believe Cap definitely. I think Cap said no. He wanted to stay away with it, stay away from it until everything kind of played out. For that same reasoning, it's like if you do trade him, you do give away capital, and then it comes back to bite you that he is guilty and he can't play for X amount of years or whatever happens. I mean, Chicago is going to be be freaking out even more on what they're doing right now with the way this organization is going. So, I'm, me personally, I'm staying away from this trade. I mean, it's a great kind of thing to think about, um, and it definitely um, should be thought about. But here's the thing, like you said, Pat, and like everyone's kind of been saying, like you cannot even entertain the thought of this until you understand what is happening. I think there's two sides to a story always, um, and they both need to be heard, um, and I think they will be. uh, But there's no way that we should be in any rush to go get him no matter what, if he's 70% off of his actual um, trade stock. Uh, it's, it's just too big of a risk, and you can't, you can't take a risk on someone like that if, if, if they're going to be useless. Um, and I think if we do know something as a fan base, I think the front office, they haven't gone out and said it, but I think the one direction we do know with this team is that they want to – draft a quarterback in this draft i don't i think they're done in the uh, in free agency um and uh looking into quarterbacks that are in the nfl i think they're done with that russell wilson was the last string if they're going to get it they were i think they're done with that they're kind of investing now in our draft which i personally think is the correct thing to do 
um, especially after we got Andy Dalton. Um, so I think he, what the Bears are doing right now, I feel 10 times better um, than last week's podcast as we talk about it. Um, hopefully we start to kind of understand what the front office is doing, especially with some of these free agent signings starting to happen, and we start to hear more about um, all these pro days and where, where our scouts are, and we're already starting to get a good idea. We, uh, we had a big showing at Mizzou's pro day. They have a really good linebacker there that they're looking into. Um, they've obviously – been to almost every pro day that there's a quarterback in the draft so we'll get we'll, we'll dive deep into an episode on kind of what we're going to be doing uh in the draft and look into that kind of stuff but for now i think that's 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 all we have for the bears right now um i feel better i don't know how you guys do um i'm i'm not i'm not feeling great but i feel better than last week's podcast last pe- last week's podcast i wanted to puke in my trash can behind me i was so sick to my stomach yeah i mean it was I think it was worse last week because it's still pretty bad. I think it was just worse last week because it felt like the Band-Aid just got ripped off. And it was it was really rough just to go from Russell Wilson one day before to the Red Rocket. I mean, just uh, not a fan. Not not a fan. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right. We kind of dealt with everything right in the middle of it. Like, we woke up, heard all this news – what you, like Twitter was an absolute shitstorm. We we're just yeah. seeing all this negative stuff, and we kind of just had to come here and just release all of our pent up anger regarding the Bears. Like I said, I, I am I as angry as I was last week? No, um, I think that's the normal reaction. You get really pissed off first, and you kind of calm down and come to your senses. But I still don't know how I feel. I'm kind of getting vibe like Blackhawks type vibes. Like the conversations we had going into the season, where like we didn't know where the what the Hawks are doing. Like, are we rebuilding? Are we trying to win? Bowman saying we're trying to win. Yeah, we're signing these older guys and we're signing these newer guys. Nobody really knows, and I feel like the same thing with the Bears right now is nobody really knows what the fuck's going on. Yeah, definitely, that is definitely the case. Uh, hopefully, it does get better in the coming months leading up to the season. Uh, so now, time to move on to some baseball. Uh, we are about a week and a day away from opening day next Wednesday. We got opening day for both teams. The whole league has their uh, opening day next Wednesday. So something great to look forward to. We had a little season preview today with the Sox taking on the Cubs. The Sox did win 3-1 to one behind a Mendick homer. Got to shout out my guy. A Robert RBI single and also an Eaton RBI single. Eaton has uh, surprised me this spring. He has been somewhat decent i'm excited to see what uh how he produces from probably like the seven or eight spot in the uh lineup also dallas keiko looked awesome today giving up no runs uh after having a little bit of a rough start uh his last time out uh definitely a very good bounce back looked very comfortable looked very good uh and just like last season cody hoyer looks absolutely disgusting uh, if you go to uh, Pitching Ninja on Twitter, Cody Hoyer was on there today. Definitely a great thing to be on, especially on Twitter. Uh, Crochet did come in, gave up one run. Uh, he has consistently been building up to triple digits, though. So that's great to see, especially after the little worry after the postseason last year with his arm uh, possible injuries, but that ended up not being the case. Just wanted to give him some rest, and now he'll be ready to go for the season. Uh, and... Breaking news today, uh, after the Cubs-Sox game, it kind of got announced that Rodon will be the fifth starter of this rotation, uh, especially after Ronaldo Lopez was sent down to Triple A. 
Tony La Russa, uh, on the uh, sending down of Ronaldo Lopez, said that he wants Ronaldo to work on building up his stamina in uh, AAA. Because he wants, just in case somebody hurts, Tony La Russa wants to bring up Lopez and have him be able to pitch on a 100-pitch count, uh, 90-plus pitches consistently if it's a long-term injury. So I think it's the best case for Ronaldo. I know it's definitely not where he wants to be, but I think it's best for the team. Also, we got some word on Kopech. Uh, it is expected that he's going to start the season as the long re- reliever, going th- two, three innings uh, each time out. Uh, I could see this definitely being the case on the fifth day when uh, Rodon is starting, bring in Kopech right after, and then he could take you to the eighth inning if Rodon has a good five innings, maybe take it six have Kopech throw 7-8, and eight, and then we got Hendricks to close the game. Uh, I mean, I think that's that's pretty good for a uh, day five uh, pitching role. Uh, also, some rough news. Uh, two pitchers, or one pitcher's going down. Chimmy Cordero, uh, he underwent Tommy John surgery. He will be out for the whole year. He was battling for a spot in the bullpen, so it is rough to see him go. Jimmy Biceps uh, will be down for the whole season. And then Angle is out two to four weeks with a right hamstring strain, uh, which is t- really tough news because uh, Angle has been absolutely crushing the ball in spring training. And after finishing the season especially hot last year, uh, kind of sucks to see him go down, especially this early in spring training. What do you guys yeah. got? I mean, now that we'll, we'll get into this in a little later, but now that my Illinois is done and over with, um, my full focus is on uh, the Chicago White Sox, and I couldn't be more happier with the way they're kind of progressing. Um, there was this big, there was this big, <laughs> you guys didn't see it, but Pat just did uh, stone cold Austin smashing beers over his head. But um, <laughs> no, uh, the White Sox, I, I'm super, super excited about. Um, there was a little bit of a worry of, oh, they're not winning. They're not, yeah, they're not winning because they weren't having their full team playing exactly in the last eight games the Sox are six and two exactly exactly and everyone's everything's starting to come together Makata's on fire oh my gosh dude he had a line drive to center today uh there's no replay in spring training but it was a base hit but uh Hap dove for it and trapped it it clearly hit the ground but the umpire called him out so stole a base hit from Makata yeah well we're seeing we're seeing positive stuff all across the board um, and I couldn't be uh, more excited. Um, I think it's almost, you know, where we came from with Rodon. Was he even going to be a Chicago White Sox and free agency? What was people gonna didn't even know if that? he was ever going to play again. Exactly, and, and I couldn't be more happier with him because we we, we did draft him, um, and he has been a part of the White Sox for almost as long as I can remember, uh, which is crazy to say. Um, but uh, we wish him all the luck, and we we always are rooting for him to, as well as possible. Um, and so, and I just kind of hope that you know we, we look at Ingles' injury, and hopefully it's not as serious as um, we, we hope he gets back. And kind of we don't need him to push it. We've got some depth in our outfield this year as well. Eli is playing in the shadow of the ball. I mean, if you're going deep center in spring training, you're you're, you're mid season ready. Um, and so. It, I just love to see all, all, all the stuff going positively for the White Sox, especially right towards the end of spring training, because that's what spring training is supposed to do. Get your feet wet and then kind of build up to go full force when you're ready in the season. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm falling on the White Sox right now. They have my full attention, and I'm ready for some White Sox baseball. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited. We're nine days away from opening day. I have a couple numbers now. We're nine days away from opening day, 16 days away from the Masters, and 37 days away from the NFL draft. So we got a fun March ahead of us. Well, yeah, and March April. Madness is in full swing, too. Just everything's coming yes, together. Is. Yes, it is. So seeing the Sox do well, uh, it's been enjoyable to watch. Um, I know I was one of those people that was a little bit shaky because they weren't really doing much at all. But once I saw it earlier this week, um, into late last week, when LaRusso was really starting to debut, the lineup that we're assuming is going to be our starting lineup, um, it was fun to see. Tim Anderson had a hell of a game the other day with a home run shot and uh, an RBI as well. So, like I said, just good vibes around the, sh- the clubhouse. Um, my my question mark. Now, granted, I haven't, I've watched one game this season. We love this- questions. We love questions, Pat. We love them. I've watched one, or one pregame preseason game holy shit um and i have not heard this player's name the entire offseason the, the, the entire preseason i'll say that and it's kind of scaring me number 88 Luis robert has he been playing is he just on is he in a cold stretch like what's kind of going i would have not heard his name at all he's been playing fine i mean he had the rbi single today has he's played pretty much the whole time i'll pull up his stats real quick but there hasn't i haven't seen anything like Oh, he's playing like shit, or he's playing really bad. Kind of worried about him. I'll uh, say because I saw it on on Reddit that people were like, "Is anybody else concerned about him?" Because he's kind of been flying under the radar this preseason. And I'm like, statistically, I don't know what he's doing, but I think a lot of the the light that has been taken has been more like his light was in the in the preseason last year where he's hitting piss missiles, and I think that's kind of shifted towards Andrew Vaughn. So I haven't, like I said, I really haven't heard too much about him, so that's kind of what I'm, <clears throat> why I'm asking you guys. Yeah, I mean, he's got nine hits throughout the spring. That's not great. It's not terrible. I mean, again, it's spring training. It was nice to see him get an RBI today. Uh, if if it takes a little bit of time for him to get going during the season, then maybe we'll start to worry. But right now, no worries. And I, I don't think I'd freak out right now either, too, because I think there are other things, too, going on right now that kind of, like you said, is overshadowing Robert. Uh, Vaughn's literally playing um, unreal, and we really haven't seen what he's kind of been able to show um, in this type of atmosphere. Um, and, you, you, of course, you have to go up against Eloy, who's um, uh, talking about trying to be an MVP. Um, and you have Jose Abreu, who was our MVP. And you've got our great pitching, and you've got Tim Anderson. So, I mean, like... It's yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning when you don't hear about one of your young star players' names. Um, but also, I think there's different avenues where there's going to be light shined on more um, when 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 you're talking about uh, the team. Yeah, I mean, just a nice day for the White Sox. Uh, now we're going to be moving on to the Cubbies. Uh, bullpen looked a little shaky today, giving up those two runs after Eaton had a early RBI single with Arietta. Uh But Arietta looked absolutely awesome today. Uh, the announcers for the Cubs on Marquee Network, Boogs and Dempster, were talking about how good Arietta, Arietta looks this spring. Uh, they talked more about his injuries while he was in Philadelphia and how this is Jake's fully healthy, this is his comeback year. And you know what, I can definitely see that happening with a guy like Jake Arietta who didn't play in Philadelphia fully healthy. I mean, if you can think about it, the 2015-2016 Cubs, 
Uh, I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure Arietta was a part of that 2017 Cubs too. But, I mean, just how many innings he threw, how much the Cubs relied on him. Uh, he was only bound to get injured. Uh, so he eventually did when he went to Philadelphia. Took his little break from the Cubs, and now he's back. And he's looking very smooth, very good. Velo looks good, and his movement on his pitches are still as nasty as it was back when he was a Cub. Uh, Marquee Network. Uh, I want to get into this a little bit. Uh, so today I decided to watch the game on Marquee Network, and it was uh, not a very pleasant experience, I will say. Uh, if you're listening to this and you have an opinion on Marquee Network, please make sure to put it on Twitter, DM us, comment it. I want, I want to know that I'm not the only one that listens to this podcast that it cannot stand Marquee Network. Uh, Boogs and Dempster were on today. Dempster has been with MLB Network the last couple years and has done a lot. And he, he was awesome as like a host for MLB Network. Boogs has been with ESPN. And in his role, Boogs was awesome. But the mixture of Dempster and Boogs, I don't know if this is going to be the official uh, broadca- broadcasting crew for the season, but it was absolutely brutal today. And it was very awkward. There were just short conversations, abrupt endings, silences. Just they weren't clicking and they weren't comfortable together. Uh, it, it, it's worrying me. And then Marquee Network announces today that they signed Ryan Sandberg to be a part of their crew. Uh, a guy like Rhino, he's a good guy. But I don't know how he's going to fit on the TV screen Uh with the microphone. I don't know if he's going to be part of the game crew or if he's going to be more backstage like how Ozzy is and Chuck Garfine is with the White Sox. But I, I, I'm i curious to see how Marquee Network will do this season if they keep that uh, duo together. Do you boys have anything on Marquee Network? Yeah, I, I just don't understand why they can't figure it out. Every every topic, idea, every time it comes up, it's negative. I can't remember the last time anything positive has come out um, about the Marquee Network. Um, I know a lot of Cubs fans are happy about it, um, and it just kind of sounds like a broken record. There's nothing nothing really positive going on and nothing um, that the fans are liking about it. Um, so it's, that is very concerning. Um, but then again, um, I, I think that they'll figure it out, hopefully. I mean, it would be a really bad look to kind of just see this thing kind of just blow up and look really bad, especially since they're putting so much effort in kind of making this their network and and all this other stuff. So um, they have to turn around, I think, at some point. They'll they'll kind of figure out who works together well. um, And it's just kind of trial and error. I definitely think with the broadcasters, because it's kind of, they're just bringing, it's kind of a whole new start, if if I'm uh, not wrong. So, uh, they got brand new people in there. They kind of got to adjust to each other. Got to kind of understand how they how they work together well. And so I think I think they'll be they'll be uh, fine. But like it's marquee network, it, it, figure it out. I mean, we're over here on the south side. We're we're fucking we're we're enjoying Len Casper calling Tim Anderson's home runs and stuff. Like south side's got it well, man. I can't complain. I think you really start to see a lot of the issues with Marquee arise this this season. Because last year was kind of a scuff year. You had some games on there, but you know I don't think they were fully on 
marquee network last year. But correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not too sure. But I think a lot of the issues are going to start arising this year. People are not going to – you have a full 162-game slate. You know, you're going to be seeing games left and right. If you don't have a good broadcasting group, <clears throat> people aren't going to enjoy the game. Like, for the Sox, this is a great example. We have Stone and 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 Hawk calling the games when the Sox were winning, what, 60 games a season? Yeah. We went to go listen to Hawk rant and, you know, start yelling at an umpire, say some stupid shit. Like, we were able to enjoy the games. Even when Benetti stepped on, when the team still wasn't that good, Benetti is a class act. You could, I could listen to that guy talk all day. But if you don't have – if you have a poor team that's playing poorly on the field and you don't have a good broadcast crew to kind of alleviate that – suckiness i guess like it's going to be a tough watch especially when you're paying extra for it too so you have to include it on your tv package so i think a lot of the issues are going to arise this year um if you have a tough team and they're just not enjoying the way the the, the broadcast is going i think you're going to see a lot of issues arise from it so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but as pt said we're, we're big chilling over on the south side right now man like we're enjoying it uh and i'm i can't wait like i mean i listen to the, the Sox games on the radio when i'm like driving somewhere or like if you're driving back or taking the train back from uh, U.S. Cellular, you know, you had to throw the radio show on your phone or on the car radio. I mean, I cannot wait to listen to, like, I will voluntarily turn off Benetti and Stone and try to listen to DJ and uh, and uh, Casper call the games on the radio because I want to hear what it's going to sound like. I'm stoked for the season when it comes to our broadcasting booth, both on TV and radio. But uh, Godspeed, you Cubs fans, because I think it's going to get really messy this year when it comes to the marquee network. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we got some more MLB news that I want to talk about. A lot of unfortunate news uh, for teams, especially with new offseason signings. Uh, George Springer is expected to be ready by opening day uh, after an oblique strain. But Blue Jays uh, coaches and front office are pushing the brakes a little bit. He might not be ready for opening day. Also, Another big hit to the Toronto Blue Jays. And also a guy that the White Sox were talking to before they signed Liam Hendricks. Kirby Yates, former San Diego Padres closer, now with the Blue Jays, will be out for the season after uh, needing to have Tommy John surgery. And lastly, Fernando Tatis Jr. was taken off the field today after making what seemed to be a routine throw. Uh, He ended up coming out of the game with his hand on his hip. Uh, not really sure what that meant at the time, uh, but then some news broke a little later, about an hour ago. So at 6.30, Tuesday, March 23rd, uh, it came out that Tatis uh, hurt his right shoulder, so his throwing shoulder. He will be re-evalu- or he will be evaluated tomorrow to figure out more. Uh, there's been a couple people, uh, kind of unanimous people from, Pod- from the Padres front office, telling reporters that he's fine. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I hope he's fine because that would be a big loss for baseball. But it would really hurt the Padres after making that big uh, extension with Tatis if he's uh, out for the whole year. I mean, I know it's a long contract, but when you sign a guy to a contract like that, you want every single year that you can from him, and especially as good as Tatis is right now. He's just entering his prime. Uh, an injury would definitely hurt that. Do you guys have anything on the latest injury updates for the MLB? Yeah, I just um, when you have a player like Fernando Tatis, um, what he does not only for the Padres, 
Um, but for the whole MLB, um, it, it's it's a lot, and he brings a lot to the table. He brings kind of what Tim Anderson's kind of trying to do too, and make the game fun again. Um, and you never want to see a player like that um, that is so invested in making sure that this game um, stays relevant uh, hurt. You never want to see that in, in, in any player, um, but especially a superstar like Tatis. No matter what our history is with him, um, we wish him the best and the fastest recovery. Um, and hopefully, because, you know, like you said, Brandon, uh, the Padres, they, their free agency was to push for a World Series this year or the next two years. Um, if Tatis not in the mix, it's going to make them very difficult to do that because he is their cornerstone player. Um, so we do wish him the, uh, the best and a speedy recovery because he does do a lot for the game. But that does it for baseball. Uh, we're going to take it to the Blackhawks. Pat, you can take over. Uh, Pat, what's what's the emergency room situation right now? Uh, so I had stepped inside the room uh, before the Hawks' fourth loss in a row. Um, we were recording the last episode. During game their second game against Tampa, uh, I was inside the room. Uh, we proceeded to get our asses kicked that night. I would say I've taken a step in front of the glass box as in closing the red button. Um, tonight's going to be a big game. Uh, we're currently sitting up one to nothing on Florida with about eight minutes left in the first. We need a win. We're going to we get live reactions too because we still got a little bit to record. Exactly, exactly. So we we've dropped four straight. Um, we're we're a two game set against Florida. We're back in Chicago. So we're up one nothing with about eight minutes left. We just went on the power play. Dominic we buried our first goal of the night. Uh, Wankinen got the start for tonight, and as a surprising uh, way at last second scratch for the Panthers, Alexander Barkoff, who's an absolute like powerhouse for them, was taken. He wasn't taken off the ice, but he was guided off the ice by the trainers, and he did not play tonight. So that's a big loss for them. And the Hawks definitely need to take advantage of it. Um, but we do have another rookie making his debut tonight in Mackenzie Entwistle, a right winger who is playing on that fourth line with Soderberg. Uh, it's, I, I would love to see it because this is kind of the way I've been viewing these past couple games. Because It's obviously been a rough stretch against the best teams in our division. The Hawks made a lot of adjustments lately with sending some of our players like Reese Johnson and Calvi Yuck down back to Rockford. Um, and we've brought up a lot of young guys like Entwistle and some other people too that we aren't too familiar with. We don't really hear their names much because they spent the majority of their time down in Rockford this season. I'm excited for these moves because we've dropped four straight. Clearly we're in a pretty bad rut. We need some sort of change. And Cowden's like, okay, listen, we have guys up on the, in the big league right now that aren't getting the job done in the fourth line. Obviously you're not going to send any first or second liners down. We, we need some little bit more pressure on that back end, so that's what we want to do. So we're like, hey, nobody's job is safe. In the, other than if you're if you're not 88 or 2, um, your job's not safe. I'll say that. Uh, maybe maybe to break in Strom too, but other than that, like your job's not safe. Like You can easily go down in the minors. And I think uh, Cowden's doing a good job by establishing that and seeing what these guys like Ed Whistle have to offer on the big league. So I'm interested to see the way he plays tonight in that fourth line. Um, so, I mean, it's like I said, it's going to be – it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big series against Florida. We we needed. I would love to get uh, as many points as we possibly can out of it. Uh, we just need a. We need to start. Wait, all you need is one win. You drop four straight. You need to clear your head. You have, you have one game at hand. And it would be a great win against a Florida team too. 
Exactly, especially when they're not, they don't have one of their best scorers, the best offensive threat in Barkov. You need to take advantage of that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how this how this game plays out tonight. Um, the guys did see me react to Kublik's first goal. I think my biggest thing right now is we need we need uh, Kevin Lankman to really step up. He's had a rough go lately. Both our goalies, Subban and Lankman, had a rough go. We really need him to step up, and right now he's looking pretty damn solid against a good offensive threat Panthers team. That being said. We have some movement in the rosters, and we're continuing to get more news surrounding uh, Kirby Doc. He is still unsure of when his comeback will happen, but he has been listed as a full participant in practice as of late. My question mark here, he has been cleared for contact. So what I've been seeing in these practices lately is that he's wearing a special jersey, the color, I don't know what it is. It's a no-contact jersey. Kind of like similar to a QB, what they wear in training camp. It's a no-contact jersey. You're not laying a hand on them. Same thing was going for Kirby Doc in his practices. He's been clear for full contact. Now, is he actually partaking in full contact? I'm not too sure. I'm not sure if a full participant in these practices actually entails that. My thing is, I'm, I feel like we're rushing him. I really do, because he wasn't even supposed to play this season. And we're not even at the trade deadline yet, and they're already expecting him to come back. Obviously, I love him to death. I bet that kid's hungry as hell to get back on the ice. He wants to play. He wants to play for his team. I get that. But right now, I, I feel like we're rushing him, and I'm very iffy about seeing him back on the ice this early. I want to get your guys' input on this. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I'm also worried about the whole Kirby Doc situation just because I feel like the front office is so focused on making the playoffs this year after that, such a good uh, first part of the season uh, that they might risk rushing Kirby Doc when truly us, the fans, don't want him to be rushed, uh, even though the front office is going to be greedy and they just want to say, hey, we may have gotten eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, but we made the playoffs, which has uh, definitely hurt the Hawks the last couple years, in my opinion. But... Yeah, we need to win tonight. Uh, really would be nice to win the next two against Florida. Uh, but it, it it's tough losing four in a row and then coming and playing a really good Florida team. It is great that we're up one to nothing right now. Hopefully we can keep the momentum going our way and get the win tonight. You know, I think that another positive thing coming out of this is how adaptive Colleton's being. He understands something's not working, um, and he's trying different things, which is a great thing to see as well. Um, I, I think one of the biggest positive things that we I don't think we were expecting whatsoever is how well Colleton's kind of, um, one, dealt with this season, and two, adapted to this season. Um, he's really shown maturity, and I think that actually um, – lifts a big kind of weight. I know, I, I, I don't know if I want to speak for Pat here, or you guys as well, but I think that definitely lifts some weight off my shoulders. Um, understanding that he's definitely kind of stepping into the role that they were hoping he was going to be. Um, so seeing that is really, really good. Um, yeah, we're kind of on a losing streak here. We're struggling a little bit in some places, but that's expected. Um, and it is a little concerning that it seems that Doc is being rushed back a little bit. Um, but I think that we don't know what's exactly going on there. And I, I, I just have to trust. I just have to trust that they're doing the right thing. Um, and I know they have the greatest doctors available and that they are not going to push everything. That's just me hoping. Um, but I don't, I don't see any rush. I don't, I, and I, we've said this multiple times, all of us. There's no rush to get them back this year, especially 
Um, so he needs to be healthy completely. Um, and, you know, I just keep on plugging through. I, I, I got to give it to Carlton, man. He's surprised the living fuck out of me. I'll agree 100% on that statement. I've been Cowden's biggest critic since the since last season during the COVID season. I'll be the first person to swallow my words. Uh, he's he's coached a hell of a season. I, I, there are very minimal things I can actually bring up to slander him this season. He's adapted well. He's made some really you know ballsy moves that caught a little bit of flack in benching Ian Mitchell with Boquist as well. You know, and that's what he said he wanted to do. He wanted to get these guys you know, out for a little bit, talk to him, review film with them one-on-one, develop that one-on-one relationship that he was expected to do as a young coach, being able to connect with these young players. I agree 1,000%. He's having a hell of a season, and I really, like, I know I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I have to, you have to tip your cap when you're, when you're supposed to, give respect when uh, you deserve it, and I think you have to do it for the situation. He's had a hell of a season so far. So I have one closing, or one closing statement for today, and that is Patrick Kane. This is his first game in Chicago after playing his 1,000th game. So they had a little bit of a ceremony for him this morning or before the, the puck drop. It's awesome to see it getting a little bit emotional. Him and his wife and Patrick Kane III was out there um, with this little bit of ceremony they had. And, of course, the first person after the ceremony kind of ended, the first person over to give him a hug was nobody other than Duncan Keith, who he shared a lot of those games with himself. So, nice touching moment. But we all know that Kane said, came out and said that um, – they're not going to have the real celebration for his 1,000th game until that the madhouse is fully packed, which is an awesome statement to see there. Yeah, definitely. So let's dive into the Chicago Bulls. Actually, I do have one last thing. With the Canes' 1,000th game little celebration at the United Center, it was absolutely awesome that Joel Quinville was also uh, able to be there uh, since he is the coach of the Florida Panthers. So that was really cool to see that he was there also tonight. Because I bet that was something they definitely would want to be a part of. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, I mean, he was part of that tribute video in Dallas. Um, Quenville sent in his own video to talk to him about everything. So, yeah, he, obviously we all know how much of a, a role he's played in Kane's career. So it was definitely great to see him and able to witness this uh, event because I know I'm sure he's close with, with Kane and his wife and his family and everything like that. So, But we got – let's jump on the other side of the United Center with our Chicago Bulls. Things are about to get really, really interesting in these next couple of days. The trade deadline is the 25th. Is that what we said, guys? Right? The 25th. So right now the Bulls sit at 19 and 23 in the East, putting us in ninth place, two games back behind the eighth-seed Celtics. We just got our asses handed to us last night against Denver. That's to be expected, though. Um, but uh, we have a lot of trade rumors floating around right now. Before we get these trade rumors, I want to talk about a specific player in mind, and his name is Colby White. David Kaplan said this morning that he was a busted draft pick, and he's not going to develop to be anything, and it's something we need to look to get rid of. That seems a little bit harsh. Don't get me wrong. I like Colby White a lot. He seems like a great character, a great guy. Um, saying he's a busted draft pick I think is kind of harsh. But, I mean, he, he hasn't played over 30 minutes in these past six games. Like, he's clearly not seeing as much playing time. His his stats are not even there. We addressed the stats last week. The Hawks just scored. Wow, Brandon, your, your game is way more ahead than mine is. I was, like, waiting for what, something to happen. I kept looking over my TV. The Hawks did just score. Um, they're up 2 to nothing. It looks like Pew Suter knocked home this one to with the guy with 30 left actually. in the first. What's up? Zadorov, actually. Oh, Zadorov. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Pew might have read it right. Was that Zadaroff in front of that? Yeah, Zadaroff got credited. Got you. All right. Well, 
Kobe White hasn't played 30-plus minutes in the past six games. His, his stats are not there. They're not there. We talked about it last week. He's scaring me a lot, and this is a great segue because one of the number one people the Bulls are apparently looking to, to, to get is Lonzo Ball. And uh, Matt Johnson himself, nobody on the court if it's at the point guard position has a better field of vision, has a better IQ at the point guard position than Lonzo Ball, which is a ballsy statement that wasn't trying to be a pun either. He's got Chris <laughs> Paul out there as well. Yeah. You have some legit point guards that he's comparing Lonzo Ball to. Colby White, he's scaring the daylights out of me, and I have a feeling that he's not going to be our guy for the future. Am I the only one feeling this way, or are you guys on the same boat as me? Here's my thing. Here's my thing. If we keep him, I'm, I'll be fine. If we trade him, I'll be fine. Uh, honestly, either way, here's how I see it, especially with Lonzo Ball, because I know that that was somebody that we were talking to about. Uh, with Lonzo... We know that he's really good off the bench. And we know that he's been doing a really good good job with that with the Pelicans. We don't really know his role as a starter yet. He could be a shit ton better uh, starting consistently with the Bulls than coming off the bench with the Pelicans. But another thing with Colby White is is that we really he, – he's still a question mark. We don't really know what – we're going to get from Colby White, especially on a night-to-night basis. I feel like this has been a talking subject for us quite a few times this season, Pat, with Colby White being inconsistent, and it is worrying me. Uh, now, Lori, on the other hand, uh, we'll, we'll get into Lori in a little bit, but Colby right now, again, wouldn't be upset if he got traded. I, I wouldn't be upset if he did get traded. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. I'm kind of waiting to see some more fire spark up uh, with these Colby talks. I haven't seen too much, but we'll see. With these two teams we just previously talked about, the Blackhawks and the Bulls, I've tried um, to be uh, as least critical and kind of just think of all the positives of both these teams this season. Um, but there is one thing that is nagging at me, and it's Colby White. It does worry living shit out of me um he was kind of expected to kind of step up when some guys were hurt earlier in the season um and nothing's really happened from it um and it is very concerning uh, we got to think of what what does the future look like um to say that he's a bust uh, is a little bit of a reach for me uh but i i would put it in the worried category for sure um and obviously something isn't right if he's not getting the minutes from billy Donovan because i think billy um, has the the right intentions of making sure that all the players that I think not only to make this team better for this year but for the future to be in the game, he, he he's doing. So if he's if he's not getting the time played, I, I think there is time to kind of understand and kind of worry about why he's not getting the time. Right, and I do kind of look at that like kind of a Jeremy Calder situation where he is benching these young guys and talking to him on his own and trying to get a little feel for what's going on in his head. Like I said, dude, he's, he didn't really have a good coach. No, he didn't have a good, good coach last year in, in Boylan. Yeah, I agree. Be saying he's a bust is way too harsh, in my opinion. I think you need to give him a little bit more time, and I don't see him being a trade piece at all, this, tra- this trade deadline. By any means. I'm, admit, I'm assuming he's still on his rookie contract, so I don't see it happening at all. That being said, getting into the trade deadline, it is coming up very quickly. 
And I feel like there are three players on our roster that are gaining the most attention. Thaddeus Young is by far getting the most attention, and he's getting the most calls about when it comes to other teams wanting Thaddeus Young. Thad's going to be the guy that's going to put a team over the edge when it comes to the playoffs. Otto Porter is gaining attention as well. Why anybody wants that fat of a contract on their books, I don't know, but I'm not going to complain. Laurie Markin is also on that in those trade rumors as well. Laurie was not given the fifth-year option of his contract, so he's a free agent after the season. My issue with Laurie Markinen and him probably not being traded is because of his inconsistency when it comes to his offense and his defense. And most importantly, his he can't stay healthy. He can't. And that's a, that's a pretty big risk because all the teams that are trying to buy in right now are the teams that can't afford a injury on the in this part of the season. So I feel like Laurie Markinen is going to be a bull. Is he going to be re-signed? I don't really know. I don't think you can re-sign him if he can't stay healthy and he lacks. he's inconsistent on both ends of the court. The most intriguing, so obviously we've heard rumors about Lonzo Ball. And from, I mean, it could be, would be anything. I've seen Staderanski's getting thrown into that as well. Um, Otto Porter's getting thrown into that as well. And so is Thad Young. I would love Lonzo. I'd love to see him in a Bulls jersey. He's a pass-first point guard, which is exactly what we need. Colby White's not a pass-first point guard. He likes to shoot. He really does. And you can and see that. And he's very inconsistent at it, too. Yes, he is. That's why it's so scary, because he's not a pass-first point guard, which is why you see less than five assists almost every game. And he likes to shoot, but he's inconsistent at shooting. Sometimes he'll have, like, the one night he had, like, 30 points a season. And then he's dropping, like, six, seven, two, three points these these last couple games. There's more single-digit points than double-digit points, though, it seems like. Especially in the most recent, since the All-Star break. Yes, yeah. I agree 100%. So I'd love to see Lonzo in a Bulls jersey. He said himself he wants to play for Chicago. Interesting to see how that will play out. I saw this this morning, and I'm interested to hear your guys' take on this. DeMar DeRozan. Doesn't want he he hasn't wanted to be in, in in San Antonio for quite some time now, but he has a very large contract and that's why it's hard to move. And you want to know basically mathematically when it comes to the cap space, there's one person in the league you could trade for him that would probably balance out your books. It's Otto Porter Jr. There's some rumors flying around that the Bulls may be looking at Demar will be that person that will push them over the edge and get them into a playoff spot. Do I agree with that statement? Yes, because I think DeMar is definitely a step in the right direction compared to Otto Porter. Because, Otto, again, Otto has a large contract. He's inconsistent. And he is um, he, he gets injured a lot, too. DeMar DeRozan wearing a Bulls jersey. Do you guys see it happening? What's your overall feel going into this trade deadline? Because I think either nothing will happen at all or shit will hit the fan very quick. And we're going to have a lot of different guys on this team. What do you guys have? So, I, I don't necessarily think shit would hit the fan badly. Uh, if we did trade, it would be, like, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about what we would do if we trade. But I honestly feel like nothing's going to be touched. Uh, it doesn't seem like Thad Young's going to be moved. And in my opinion, that'd be the only guy that would get moved. Only because this is still the year that they're still evaluating everybody. Uh, but with Lori. Uh, to me, he's the most interesting case. Uh, I know I texted you guys about this as well. Uh, I'm curious to see if the Bulls are talking to Lori right now about a possible 
extension saying, hey, uh, you've been injured a lot. We haven't seen the full extent of you that we want. We'll give you two more years for you to give up, for you to give us your best effort and everything we need. And if they don't come to a two-year, three-year, probably not three-year, probably a two-year deal with Lori uh, within the next day or so, I think there's a possibility that he could be traded uh, because why wouldn't we want to get something for him if we just know that he's going to be wa- walking uh, during the offseason next year. So there's a lot of lot of interesting things to go down uh, in the next couple days. So we'll see what happens uh, with Lori and Colby and Otto and all the good stuff. I would love to see Lonzo in a Bulls uniform. I would also love to see DeRozan in a Bulls uniform. But I still I don't think it's going to happen for either of those. If we had to look at someone on our team um, and we were had a gun to our head and say, who, who is probably your least successful draft pick on the Bulls currently? And, and it has to be Lori. Uh, the kid, unfortunately, hasn't um, been healthy enough to kind of produce what we want from him. And it, it comes to a point where you kind of have to um, – look in a different direction. And I think we've seen that from other Chicago sports teams where we've had to look in uh, different directions, especially with Mr. Visky. So with that being said, um, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens with him. I, I don't think he has any, I don't think he has any trade stock at all. He, in my opinion, I don't think he's very good. Um, I think this was his year to kind of prove himself. It was, it's just kind of like Mitch, uh, this was his Mitch year, and it's kind of funny that this is like kind of a thing now. Is that this is his Mitch year to kind of prove himself to kind of get a contract, and he hasn't done it. Um, when we really kind of look at who, who, who we could be trading here, I, I am intrigued to see if we can kind of get something for DeMar DeRozan, um, and I would love to see Lonzo on the, uh, the Bulls as well. Um, so there's different options out there. It gets me excited because I don't think the front office will do anything to hurt the organization, and if they do – uh, if they do do anything during free agency, I think it'll be only positive and beneficial uh, to the team and everything, the organization as a whole. So I'm excited. I, I think there will be a move made, um, and I guess we'll just have to kind of sit back and see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. I think it's going to be a really fun uh, trade trade deadline for the NBA. But last two notes for the NBA segment for us today. LeBron James is out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Uh, it seemed pretty painful from when he went down. Who knows what his timetable looks like. And then lastly, too, whether you like him or not, you have to respect what he's doing out on the court. LaMelo Ball has been having a hell of a rookie year. He finds himself sideline for the remainder of the season with a fractured wrist, which is tough to see. Obviously, you never wish anybody to get hurt. Right. So, like, with LaMelo, you know, uh, it's it's. Uh, we hope he rebounds and has a hell of a sophomore year. And LeBron, whether you like him or not, we hope he's back for the playoffs because he makes the playoffs more enjoyable. We want to see him out there in prime time and see what he can actually do. The NBA is all fun and games. It really is. It's going to be a pretty fun week with this trade deadline coming up. But we got another we got another set of, college, another set of basketball going on that's a lot more enjoyable than the NBA right now. It's March Madness. The round of 64, the round of 32 have gone, come and gone. The round of the Sweet 16 is now set, and I believe those tip off on Thursday or Friday, Saturday, one of the two. And in our notes that I've written down, all I have written is "Wow." That's honestly the best way I feel like I can describe the round of 30, the round of 64, round of 32. He looks. 
I purposely so if you guys follow us on Twitter, which if you don't, go follow us at Cloud Cloudgate Sports. I have a running trend of tweeting wellness check at PT on Twitter off our Cloudgate account whenever like something bad's happening. So if it's the Bulls or, or if it's the Bears or if it's anything Illini related. Uh, and I refrained from doing so out of respect because I knew, and I, like, we did not text our group chat at all during that Illini game. I, Brandon, I feel like me and you are on the same page. We're like, it's not going well. We need to let him be and give him a couple days to defuse a little bit. Yeah. What's, I, I, we got to talk about it. We've had a lot of upsets. Um, the Illini are the only one seed that was eliminated. Baylor's still in, Michigan's still in. So is Gonzaga, but it has been the tournament of upsets. We've uh, seen Ohio State get – I mean, every Big Ten team except Michigan has been knocked out, um, which has been quite – it's quite the talking piece right now. Illinois had a great first game against Drexel. Loyola Chicago had a great first game against Georgia Tech. They met in the second round, which I will say this beforehand. I did root for Loyola just because they are Missouri Valley team, and I want to get as much clout as I can for the Missouri Valley. They should not have been an eight seed. They should have been like a five or a six, a four at the highest. They shouldn't. Have, they they shouldn't have even had the scheduled matchup until what the Sweet Sixteen or the yeah, Elite Eight. Definitely, if anything. But I will say this: I went into that game saying Kofi Coburn should have made Cam Crutwig his little bitch, and he did not. We have to address the cat in the bag, PT. I know we did. We got it was coming. We had to talk about it. Loyola played a hell of a game, and I honestly, I think the reason why they did well is because they had a game plan, and they stuck with it, and this might be a hot take, but I think Brad Underwood did not win. Obviously, you had, I would assume, who didn't play too well, and so going into this game, like I said, I did root for Loyola just because they're a Missouri Valley team, but going into it, I did say that Kofi Coburn should have dominated the matchup against Camp Crutwig. I mean, Kofi just, he's stronger than him, he's taller than him. But Cam really proved his 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 skills that he had. Um, he's he's a very he's a point he's a point center. He's got a great lane of vision. He made a couple huge like clean, uh, really tight passes on pick and rolls towards the net. Also, he looked he, he looked great. Now you could you can nitpick out of Sumu having a tough game. You can nitpick Trent Frazier having a tough game. For me, watching this game, Loyal absolutely dominated the first half. Illinois hits a big three that puts it below double digits, puts the game in nine going into halftime. And I said, this is scary for Loyola because I'm assuming that U of I is going to come out and they're going to play balls to the wall in the second half. They're going to adjust well, and they're going to dominate the second half, and they're going to walk over the win. I thought that was going to happen, and it didn't. So like I said, you can pin this game on a lot of different people. You can, you can, I mean, outside, regardless, tip your cap to Porter Moser, tip your cap to that Loyola team. They're, they're a great team all around. They played a hard game. They knew exactly what they needed to do, and they needed, to, and they did it. For me, if I was to pin the loss on anybody for U of I, I had to pin it on Brad Underwood because I feel like there was a lack of adjustment. I feel like they kind of do the same thing over and over again, and it just wasn't hidden. It was, it was bound. This conversation was bound to happen. Brandon, I'm gonna give it to you first before PT lets loose. Well, fortunately for us, uh, we had a baseball game, so we didn't see the Illinois loss to uh, to Loyola. But we did get to see the highlights. Uh, Loyola just looked very good. Uh, dominant basically the whole game, uh, taking early. Saw Brother Rice uh, alum Marquise Kennedy drop 13 
and drop a couple shots from three. He looked very good coming off the bench. Uh, but uh, my, my team now, because my bracket is absolute shit, is Loyola. So go Ramblers, I guess, for now after absolutely ruining my bracket. But I do have an interesting Sister Jean fact here. Uh, so Sister Jean was born on August 21st, 1919. That day, Babe Ruth tripled and drove in two runs batting cleanup for the Boston Red Sox. So before he even played on the New York Yankees, if you just want to think about how old uh, Sister Jean truly is. But she just she brings different magic to the team. Uh, she prayed that uh, Illinois would shoot under 30%. Uh, from three, which they did, they shot only 29%. Uh, just the big-time players for Illinois didn't show up, and it really uh, threw a wrench in the plans for Illinois this season. Uh, PT, it, uh, it's now your time to grieve. Uh, we will be your therapist for this uh, portion of the podcast. So I, I've been dreading uh, this day specifically um, for since we lost um, for, I don't know where to start here. So there's, there's so many different facets that I want to talk about here. Um, first of all, um, I want to talk about, uh, the hype behind Illinois, um, and how that kind of made me nervous coming in. Uh, I can't remember the last time, I mean, 2005, I was six when Illinois had their magical final four run, beat Arizona, one of the most historic, uh, I would say, games in NC March Madness, uh, NCAA March Madness history. Um, so I remember some of that, but I was still young. Ever since then, I had no idea what, uh, what was kind of created in this program. Um, so uh, knowing that the whole nation was behind Illinois, um, not only having them in the Final Four, but national championship and even winning, uh, scared the living shit out of me. Uh, because, yes, I knew they were good, um, but they just haven't been playing consistently enough throughout the year. And that kind of goes on to my next thing. So, Pat, you mentioned Brad Underwood kind of lost the game. So there's been many games where Brad Underwood has been criticized for not having the team ready, and you kind of saw that um, in the earlier start of the season where they came out really flat and weren't prepared to uh, beat some of these teams they most definitely should have. So we're looking at that. That's a very um, concerning thing. He can recruit the shit out of kids. He can bring anyone he really wants to to Illinois. Uh, but when it comes to coaching them, it is definitely under question. So that's something that kind of needs to be uh, reviewed and looked at in the future for Illinois because they are still going to be good. Um, a lot of people are saying that this is kind of a uh, one-and-done thing. Um, no, they have two really solid kids coming in next year. You're going to have Adam Miller, Andre Cabello back. Um, you're going to have Georgie Bashanasvili, who had a really decent year. So I'm not too concerned about that. Now, we're going to move on to the game, all right? Um, I downplayed the living fuck out of uh, Loyola Chicago, and I'm going to eat my words uh, for many reasons. I was concerned because I knew that they were they were decent. I've watched them a little bit. I wasn't um, – I thought they still should have won Illinois, obviously. Uh, but they came out, and they just didn't play well. Uh, and we saw that it was kind of basically a game that they would have played earlier in the year. They didn't come out, and they didn't play well at all. So when we look at that, you're not going to be any team, especially in March, um, and especially a team like Loyola. Uh, you're also not going to be a team that shoots 
forty percent from the three line, and you're also I can't I can't remember what they shot from field goal uh, overall, but it was it was a very good number, and they're the number one defense in the country. So what can you do about that? Um, now where I have to disagree with you, Pat, is I don't think I think Kofi was the reason they were even close. Scored twenty points. Um, he he did. The Illinois was out route uh, rebounded, which could be put on him. Uh, but the main reason they lost is the guard play. When you have, I would assume, Trent Frazier and um, DeMonte Williams score combined of 14 points, uh, you're, you're never going to win, uh, especially in March. So, yes, um, Illinois lost. Um, it didn't hit me really until I got back. Uh, we were in St. Louis, baseball game. Thank the Lord that it wasn't watching because, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the pain that it brought to me if I watched the game. Um, so I think it really kind of hit me when I started to kind of sit down and I was back here kind of thinking about it, seeing everything. Uh, it sucked. I'm not going to lie because this team was special. Um, they're the reason why Iowa and Kofi came back was to win a national championship. Um, so that, that hurt for sure. Um, I want to kind of talk about something here that I really kind of was blinded by Illinois success. Um, this year is that the big 10 historically, does absolutely awful in March. I can't remember, except for, I mean, Michigan State has really kind of been the only team to be a consistent, really good team in March. Anyone else that plays in the Big Ten in March, I I can't remember moving past the second round. I mean, everyone says Big Ten was a great conference this year. I said it, um, and I still stick by that. We we said it too, dude. I mean, everybody, like, they – dominated this entire year and uh, exactly and uh, i still think they were a good conference um i think i I honestly think they just literally the conference was so good that they just beat the living shit out of each other all year and it it started to show in march they they were worn out i mean i have my bracket in front of me i threw all my brackets out because i was so depressed here um but i will lose i will get dominated um by oregon I knew that was going to be a tough game, but still. Uh, Michigan's the only team left, and they were struggling, too, against LSU. Um, I mean, you look at Ohio State, lost to Oral Roberts in the first round. Illinois obviously losing to a really good little Chicago team that's now favored to win the Midwest. Um, You've got teams losing out like Purdue. Wisconsin beat North Carolina, but North Carolina was um, here or there. Um, I would say it's concerning. it's just it's just natural. I, I I honestly was blinded by how well Illinois was doing this year and how well the conference was. Is I didn't think how how they actually play in March and and historically they are absolutely awful. So uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys still stand behind? Um, is the big was the Big Ten actually good this year? Uh, yes. Uh, only because of how dominant. The Big Ten really was during the regular season. I get that they lost in the postseason, but you can't really take one game and dictate the whole season for the teams. I mean, the teams, the the Big Ten stretch this year was electric to watch. You can't take that away. Uh, the games were remarkable. Can't take that away. The matchups were unbelievable this year. It feel it felt like every single. Uh, night we had some type of top 25 matchup for the Big Ten and just it was electric to watch this year and you can't take that away from the Big Ten 
Uh, even though they do struggle historically in March Madness, that is true. You can't take away about how good this season was for the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm with Brandon. I, I Obviously, the way March Madness hat works is it's a one and done. Um, and I think you do have to play that into concern. And the Hawks just scored. Carlos Soderberg, let's go. 3 nothing Hawks. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think the, the Big Ten dominated this year. I, I feel like it's it's hard to say otherwise. Now, obviously, in we had said these exact words last week, and me and Brett, or our, our main man, Bert, one of our big listeners, we talked about it too, man. You can be battle-tested all you want, but if a team's just, if they're just hit, it's, it's one game. It's one game, and if you lose, you go home. That's the way March works. You can battle test it all you want, man, but when it, you, you have to take shit one game at a time. And I'm not saying U of I was overlooking Loyola, but I think they were just looking ahead a lot in the, in the regular season. You know, we have a game against Minnesota. Hey, we got we got Michigan coming up next week, though. Like I feel like they that kind of plays a role into it. So I, I would agree with Brandon. I think the Big Ten dominated this year. Yes, they were they did horrible in the in March Madness, and I get that. But I mean, if all these Mar- if all these main teams in Big Ten lost in the same week in the regular season, nobody would be saying that they're 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 bad. Is you gotta take shit one step at one game at a time. So I do think they're it was a solid performance in the regular season. It was a lot of fun to watch. Listen, I'm not an Illini fan. I, I was, but I was rooting for them. It was a lot of fun. They were a great fucking team to watch all year. And I'm never gonna forget the team. And I know they're gonna leave a lasting legacy on U of I. And I know that Io and Kofi and all those guys really brought – I'm sure they got – they brought them to the national spotlight when it comes to recruiting. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Big Ten had a hell of a year. We'll be interested to see how shit plays out next year. But I don't think you can make this judgment off a of poor showing the March Madness. They were not – like it was, everything was a fluke because those were dominant teams we saw play all year. Yeah, 100% of you guys made really good points. Um, with all that being said, uh, as kind of heartbroken, I think, as all the U of I fans were, um, I don't think we can be more thankful for what Io um, especially did. He took a chance of kind of staying home um, and playing for a school that historically, you know, since 2005 really hasn't done anything. Um, and he, t- he completely turned the program around and made it relevant again, which uh, couldn't make me happier because I am a huge college basketball fan. I love it. Um, and now that Illinois is kind of relevant again, it makes me very happy no matter what happened um, last weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward towards the future now. Io's going to be a great player in the NBA. Kofi's going to be a great player in the NBA. We can't thank them enough. DeMonta, he might play overseas. We'll see what happens with him. Trent, who knows what happens with him, but we can't thank those guy, group of guys because uh, this program wouldn't be uh, where they are today without them. And the future is bright. We've got we've got good recruits coming in. Uh, Brad Underwood can recruit. That's his strong point. Um, coaching, he needs to work on a little bit, but I think he has really good assistance around him as well to kind of help that out, balance that out. Um, but that, I, I'm done talking about the uh, NBA because we are still in March Madness. So, boys. We need to look back at our brackets, and we need to pick a new winner. I know this is kind of uh, – it, it's never a good thing to do, but I think that we we definitely kind of need to go on to who, who do we think is going to win it all, and I think it couldn't be more clear who, who I think the national championship winner is going to be, um, and that's Gonzaga. They are literally – I mean, I think they had the easiest route from the beginning, um, and I think they are playing 
to what everyone thinks. I think there was question around um, being were they battle tested, not like the Big Ten, you know, and we're playing those teams consistently uh, with that amount of strength. I don't see anyone beating them, especially after Iowa loses in their region. Um, Alabama's good, but I don't think they're good enough to beat Gonzaga. And Baylor, I don't think, is good enough well. So I've got Gonzaga winning it all. What what are you guys thinking? I agree 110%. The only other team that I can think of is Baylor. But besides that, I think Gonzaga's really got the best shot. It would. I'm rooting for Loyola. It just. I would love to see that, but uh, I think that it's gonna end up being uh, Gonzaga as well. I think we are cursed. Here's my logic. Last time we had a Cloudgate sweep was the national championship game for the college football. We all three of us picked Ohio State, and they got their asses handed to them. Let's go to the Super Bowl. We had a roundtable for the Super Bowl. We all said Tampa Bay. And then last second, I changed heart like two hours before kickoff. And I'm like, I'm going to Kansas City. And guess what? Tampa Bay won. What's moved to the NCAA March Madness? All three of us said Illinois would win. And they, they fucking didn't. So, I agree that it, Gonzaga should. They should win. They should. Baylor has a very good chance of doing so as well. But I'm not I'm sick of this curse shit and I want to see if it's real. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go against it. I'm not gonna pick Gonzaga, I'm not gonna pick Baylor. I'm gonna fucking pick Syracuse. I think they're playing lights out right now. I really do. So my 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 pick, just to see if this this curse with a cloud gate sweep is real, I'm gonna pick Syracuse as my team. Now, do I think they can win? Do I think they can yes, it's March. Anything what do you, anything can happen in March. I think it's totally feasible that it can happen. Gonzaga should win out. They have the easiest path now. They lost uh, Iowa in their in their side of the or, and then in their bracket. They should <laughs> they should win. But I've been enjoying the fuck watching out of uh, Syracuse. It's been so much fun to watch. Loyola's been fun to watch. This Oral Roberts team is an absolute great story to see. UCLA, man, I hate Mick Cronin, but I'll tip my cap to you because you're doing a hell of a job with them. They beat the living piss out of Kansas last night by like thirty fucking points. Oregon as well. I actually, not going to lie, I had Oregon beating uh, Iowa in, in the round of 32. I figured that was going to happen. I didn't think. I think Iowa was a bunch of frauds. I always thought they were. At least defensively they were. So for me, the team I've enjoying the Washington most lately has been Syracuse. Buddy Bayheim's a straight hooper. So I'm going to pick them, and I'm going to break I'm gonna break the, break the, 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 whatever we got going out here, the sweep. I'm going Syracuse. Very nice. Very nice. So. That wraps it up for this episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening. Make sure to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, of course, to listen to us on all podcast uh, platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the good stuff. Uh, Thank you guys for listening again, and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. Jackson back looks up, you can put it on the board, yeah! Taves center for Kane, he scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Taves! The dynamic duo comes through in overtime! Hawk wins! Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away!
15 to the 20, breaks free to the 25, to the 30, to the outside!